0: Amen. Well, good morning, everybody. And it's a privilege to, uh, to share the morning with you. You know, you're, you're much more perky than the nine o'clock crowd. You know, they, wow, they were depressing. Uh, you know, like they, they, they did the same worship set and the best we got in the morning service. And there's two people who went like this, Yeah, you know, they're still asleep, right? You guys are like this, like, that's good. Um, I, I love to, when, when I'm speaking, I, I love to inspire and encourage and just make you feel so good about yourself that you, you just walk out of here and want to go hug a telephone pole. You've got so much joy and everything. Um, this morning's talk, um, we are in the last talk of our series of Rising Strong. And this morning, I want to talk to you about rising strong after a season of... Uh, incredible pain and, and loss. We, we never talk about that much. And so um, I, I, I'm going to give you a warning in advance. This morning's talk is, is a little more sober than I, usually, than I usually give on a Sunday morning. It's, but it, it addresses a subject matter that is serious and it's something that, 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 we, that we go through, things that we suffer through. Did you know that in, in some ancient cultures... When a child comes into the the world, the community will come around that family and celebrate the child, but they will celebrate the child's birth and everybody will wear black. And in those same cultures, when someone dies, the community comes around and everybody wears white. It's, It's completely contrary to our cultural norm, But if you have lived a little while, you know why they wear black to welcome a child into the world. Because the child is being born into a world full of pain. A world full of disappointment. I wish it were not so, but that is the way it is. Adam and Eve were given a perfect world to enjoy. But when sin entered into the human condition, it began to permeate and began to slowly corrupt absolutely everything. And almost nothing is the same. It's it's broken. So think think about our our, our bodies. They they don't work perfectly. Think about our marriages. They don't work perfectly. Think think, think about our planet, our, our weather, our climate, it doesn't work perfectly. The economy doesn't work. There's just so many things that have been affected. And so consequently, life is full, full of losses, full of disappointments, loss, full of defeats. And Jesus comes to us in Matthew chapter 5. And he is so aware, and, and you know what, I think? I think that the first century suffered infinitely more. I mean, their, their mortality rate was way off the charts compared to ours. The average age of a person was 40 years old. You would die by the time you are 40. So these people were, are people very aware and very familiar with, with loss. And he says, blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. And for some of you, this is going to be a heavy talk. But for some of you who came in here, and 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 you are hurting. You you came in here and and your relationships are broken, and your trust is broken. And some of you came in here and your finances are depleted, and you're experiencing all kinds of pain right now. I'm trusting that this will be encouraging for you. You see, God doesn't expect you to be happy all the time. Did you know that second Corinthians chapter uh, five says that, that, that in Jesus Christ, when you, when you put your faith in Christ, he says, in Christ, we are new creation. It says old things are passed away and all things become new. Now I don't want to spend a lot of time unpacking that verse, but I'll tell you what it doesn't mean. It doesn't mean when you become Christians, you don't have bad breath. It means that when you become a Christian, you don't have bad days and you don't have loss and pain. In fact, Ecclesiastes chapter three says, there is a time for everything, a season for every activity under the sun or under the heavens. There's a time to weep and there's a time to laugh. There's a time to mourn and there's a time to dance. And so there are times in your journey, in your life, when, when mourning is the, the most appropriate thing you can do. And there are times when weeping is the most... There's, a, there's a, a gal came into the first service, wept through the entire first service. And sometimes weeping is the most cathartic thing that you can do. And contrary to the Baptist church that I was raised in, there are times to dance. All right? And so... Pain and sadness are just as much a part of your human, your experience as is joy and laughter and celebration. And we usually associate grief with loss. Now, let me tell you, if you, if you haven't heard, if you don't hear anything this morning hear that if you have lost somebody in your life, then, then you need to give yourself permission to grieve. But loss affects way more in our lives than just the loss of a person. You also need to give yourself permission to grieve the loss of a relationship. Who told us when we were kids that we needed to actively grieve the divorce of our parents? Who tells us that? Nobody. Who tells, who tells parents that they, they have permission to grieve the divorce of their children? But you can, and you should. We, we need to learn how to grieve the loss of a job and the loss of health. Well, what about this one? Grieve the loss of a dream. Grieve the, the, the loss of a dream. I have bumped into this a lot in the last 10 years brilliant young students who bust their hump for four years in university and they work so hard to get the best marks to put together an academic resume that will almost surely guarantee their, their entrance into medical school. And then they get to the MCAT and they fail the first time. And they fail the second time. And they're so not used to failure. And they fail the third time. And it's over. The dream is over. It's not just the the, 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 the the failure of the exam. It's something that they have been talking to everybody about, their family, their friends. It's the thing that's propelled them forward for the last 10 years. Uh, I worked in a high school before we moved to Kelowna. And and we had these, these young athletes, these young hockey players. And if you're a hockey player, you'll know what I'm talking about. Where, where, where you, you know what, you, you're told you're the best in, on your team. You're told you're the best maybe in your league. And in a small pond, you're the biggest fish. But then when you're 15 years old, you're now going into junior and you're beginning to be exposed to the world stage of hockey. And on that stage, you are nobody. You're not good enough. You don't get ice time. You get cut. They're 15 years old. They have sacrificed so much of their lives. Their family. This has been the, the, the NHL has been the conversation that everybody loves. And it's over. I'll give you one more and this one will really mess you up. I've had conversations with parents who sent their daughter off to university in another city. She came home after the first year, clearly confused, testy, just didn't. And by the time she came home from the second year, Judy had decided she was now John. And the parents grieved the loss of a dream, the loss of a a future, the way that they had planned it, a loss of the things that they had expected, You can grieve over losses, which are bad things that have happened to you. And you can grieve over disappointments, which are good things that didn't happen to you. And let me tell you this. Grieving is absolutely essential for your health. It's it's essential for your spiritual health. It's essential for your physical health, for your emotional health, for your mental health. You have to grieve if you're going to stay healthy. But it's painful. It's a painful experience, but it's a helpful emotion. And it's a healing emotion. And God gives us grief to move us through the transitions of life. It's funny, uh, I really worked hard on this talk because I did not want to fumble it. Because I knew that some of you would be sitting here and your hearts are broken. And so, um, uh, if you want to bring up that resource slide, I, uh, I had the privilege in, in grad school of, um, of studying under Dr. Wolfelt. And he is a leading authority on grief. And, and I, worked through, I went through his entire grief library I looked at probably half a dozen TED talks on grief. I I went through my my grief counseling courses, but I would have to say, yeah, you can take a picture of that. If I if I was interested in that, I would take a picture of that. Um, probably the, the the source that gave me the most encouragement, inspiration, most help was was Pastor Rick Warren. I don't know if you know, but a year ago. Uh, Rick and Kay Warren, their 26-year-old son, killed himself. And for the last year, they, they have been in it, and they have been working through it. And, and, and the little that he's published and a lot that he's put online was so helpful. And if, you're, if you really want to be encouraged, I would encourage you to go to him, to, 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 to Saddleback. Um, he said this. He said, there will never be actually uh, growth in your life without change. And I've talked to you about this. Your life is not going to get better by chance. Your life will only get better by change. But you will not have change without loss. And you will not have loss without pain. And you'll never have pain without grief. And so this is part of the rhythm of life. And the better you are at it. And I'm going to explain what grief is. And the best way to go through it. The the, the healthier you become. So I'm going to give you two unhealthy ways of dealing with your grief. Two healthy ways. And then give you some, just some uh, cues on how, how, how to encourage each other in, in your loss. The first unhealthy way is to repress it. Um, and when you repress it, you're unconsciously or subconsciously blocking pain, painful thoughts. You just keep them down. You don't even give yourself permission to go there. And you just, you just push them down and you push them down. The second way, the the unhealthy way to do is you suppress it where you're consciously simply distracting yourself and staying busy. You just work more and and you just avoid it. And and in the same way, you're pushing all of those painful thoughts and all of those emotions down. And you block them out and you block them out because when you talk about them, they hurt. And when you think about them, they hurt. The healthiest way to address and to work through grief is not by suppressing not by repressing but it is by expressing your pain it is by talking it out it's a, it's by experiencing the pain in the short term and processing it out you express it to people in your world that are safe and i'm going to say that again who are safe because not everybody in your world is safe and do not know how to handle and how to hold you and to be present with you in your pain, okay? But you need a safe group of people where you can say, I'm really lost. I'm really hurting. The second thing, you need to confess it. So the first thing, you can express it. Second, you confess it. You confess it to God. You talk to God about your pain, and you can even talk to God about how disappointed you are at him. I know that sounds sacrilegious, doesn't it? But he's got big shoulders and he's not going to run away. It is so important that you just begin to express your your pain or confess your your pain and your your process to God. Because if you don't let it out in a healthy way, you're going to begin to act out in unhealthy ways. It's funny, after the first service, I was talking with my friend John who was working at the coffee bar and we were, golfing last last week together and he said so that's what you're doing after you duff a shot on the fairway and you send it into the rough you're grieving you're grieving the loss of a terrible shot he said that's what that was i just thought it was cussing you know (laughs) i said no that's grief i'm just letting it out just letting it out letting it out just don't want it to trip me up you see we've all experienced loss But if you didn't know how to express it, if you don't know how to get it out, if you don't have a safe tribe of people where you can talk through your pain, it stays with you and you actually get stuck emotionally in in, in that season of your life. And it stays with you and it operates in you every single day like this low level hum. And you push it down and you think you've dealt with, but you haven't because you're still toxic. So you're still full of pain and it will come out in other levels of your life and other areas of your life. And you end up taking it out on the people in your life today. What happened so many years ago? It's amazing how you see this happen again and again and again. How the loss of a father's love you know, how many just could never, never please your dad? And there's a loss there. You could never please them. And, and and how you, rather than working through that, nobody gives you space or permission as a child to work through that. And that goes down deep inside of you. And, and you find yourself being so angry. Or you find yourself being performance driven to prove to the rest of the world you're good enough. Well, all the while, had you grieved and come to terms with the fact that you just couldn't, Please your father. When you swallow your grief, your body pays the price. Okay? You swallow your grief, your body pays the price. You you know what? Our body, we are spiritual, we are physical, we are mental, we are emotional, and it is all connected. And you will find yourself experiencing physical symptoms that are often the result of grief that's not been processed. And so if you don't talk it out, you take it out on your body. Rick Warren said, it's not what you eat. Rather, it's what's eating you that makes you so sick often. I love this. David, he seemed to know a lot about grief and a lot about sorrow and a lot about loss. In Psalm 32, he said, when I kept things to myself, I felt weak deep inside. I moaned all day long. He said, I was silent and held my peace to no avail. And my distress only grew worse. So grief, active, intentional grief is a choice. You ignore your, your, your loss, your stress just grows worse. And again, the reason that it's, we were tempted to ignore it and stuff it down, because it, it just hurts, okay? But the thing about grief is that you cannot go under it. You can't go around it. You can't go over it. You have to go through it. Jesus said, "Blessed are those who mourn for they will be comforted." How does God comfort us? Let me give you 3 ways, okay? This is an intense talk, but it's short, okay? He gives 3 ways. Number 1, he draws near to us. David said in Psalm 34, "The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and he saves those whose spirit has been crushed." There God draws tangibly closer to us in our loss. Think about this, if you are compelled to run to your children in their pain, and and, and our love, the best of our love is broken love. How how much more does this perfect love run to us? I I was sharing in the the first service one of the most painful moments in my entire life. Happened about four years ago. I was just about ready to come up and speak on a Sunday night. And my youngest son called me from Calgary. And he was sobbing uncontrollably. His wife of six weeks had just left him for another woman. And he he, could, he couldn't, and his sobs didn't even sound human. They were so painful and so deep. And I'm out there and I'm on the phone and my heart is breaking. I preached the fastest, shortest talk of my life and I got back on the phone and I got on a plane and I got to Calgary. And if that's my response to my son's pain and I have an incredibly flawed heart, what do you think a father with perfect love is going to do when you break? He runs, he gets there, he never leaves our side. Number two, God grieves with us. Do you know you were created in the image of God? And you know how you know that? It's because you know how to grieve. Because you only grieve because you love. Where there is great love and then there is great loss, there's great grief. We are created in his image to love. The Bible says that, 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 that in Isaiah 53, that Jesus himself was a man of sorrows. Acquainted, I think I pulled this off in King James Version, bitterest grief. He knew suffering firsthand. When you come to Jesus with your pain, and it does not matter what your pain is, because the Bible says he was marred more than any man when he was on that cross. You're coming to someone who, when I know this, that when we're in a bad place, in a hard place, there's nothing more more therapeutic than hearing somebody say, wow, I'm so sorry for your pain, but I actually think I know a little bit of what that feels like because I went through that. And you come to Jesus and and he goes, "I, I know what that feels like. So not only does he not spit but he he, he he um not only does he, he he not leave us and he runs to us but he actually feels with us which is extraordinary and the third thing god designed us in such a way that we should never we, we, we really should never grieve alone you heal in community if you'll grieve in community And boy, if ever you needed a tribe in your life, it is when you have gone through loss or you're going through loss. If ever you needed people in your life, it's them. The Bible says in, uh, Paul wrote in Romans 12, he said, in Christ, we who are many form one body. And each member belongs to all the others. So he said, be devoted to each other like a loving family. Rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. I'm telling you what, you guys, you need to belong to a family. And when I say that, I'm not saying you need to come to church. I'm saying because you, you, you're looking at the back of someone's head that you probably won't even talk to and, and you're going to leave. I'm talking belonging to a tribe that when the world comes against you, they insulate you. And when life is taking out of you, they heal you. They're part of your, 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 your comfort. They're part of your care. You need a tribe. Let me ask you this. Who are you for that? Who are, who do you give that to? <laughs> I'm just gonna stick with my notes. Who are you doing that for? Who are you doing that for? Who can come to you? Who knows that you will be there? Who knows that, that, that when they go down, you're the first phone call? Who knows that you'll show up on their driveway? Rick Warren was saying that when they're, the day their son shot himself, his small group, they'd been together for probably 15 years. He said all of them left work, left what they're doing. They all showed up on the driveway and they stayed with them for days. They camped out together. Who can count on you to pray, to encourage, to bring a meal, to love, to listen, I'm going to walk you through, I'm almost done. I'm going to walk you through seven stages of grief. Then I'm going to invite the band up. And then I'm going to give you five things that you can do to love each other and walk each other through grief. Okay, the first stage. And by the way, these are not linear in the sense that you have to go through one for two months and then another one for, you know what? These happen sometimes all in the same hour. But you just recognize and you be patient with yourself while you're going through these ones. So initially, so whether it's the uh, the loss of a relationship, a marriage the loss of a of, of a life um, um, the first one is that you you, you literally you go into shock and the way I like to describe it is that you, you your soul becomes concussed you 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 have no capacity for response you just you're just the deer caught in the headlights, but eventually the shock is replaced then with nothing but excruciating pain. And if somebody, if you've been through this, you know that there are mornings you wake up and you don't actually think you can get through this day. It hurts that bad. And then the pain moves to frustration and the frustration leads to anger. And this is where you need a a place to vent, a place to unbottle it, a place to let it go. And then you go to sadness. Just profound, deep sadness. After that, there's this this process where you begin to to, to, to turn upwards. You start to adjust to, to the losses in your life. I'm making this sound so you know easy, and it's so not. And then eventually, you start to become more functional, and your brain starts working, and and it's less foggy. And eventually. You, you know what, after a period of time, and there's no set period of time, you begin to, to, to move forward and accept the, the losses in your life, and, and, and you start to take steps forward. Cheryl, I'm going to invite you guys to come on up. I want to give you um, some things that you can love each other well with, and this is just so practical. I'm not going to give an altar call because it wouldn't work. Uh, the bigger the loss, the less you say. The bigger the loss, the less you say. Having said that, just because you don't know what to say, do not use that as an excuse not to care. Uh, We, You know what? We've we've had people in in our congregation go through tremendous loss. Your your child gets diagnosed with cancer. Who, Who knows what to say? Even if you don't know what to say, you show up. You don't avoid it because of your awkwardness. You step into the mess and the confusion and the not knowing, and you put your arms around somebody and you love them, and then you sit down beside them and you don't say anything if you have nothing to say. But you get there. So the first thing you have to do is you have to be aware and then you care. Second thing, never minimize another person's pain. Don't put your hand up, but how many of you have lost, your dog died, your cat died. (laughs) It ripped a hole in your heart. Somebody who's not a dog person, you would tell them to, and they would go, it's a dog. Idiot. You obviously never had a dog that you loved for 15 years die, right? Never minimize somebody's pain because you're not them and you don't know their pain. Now listen to this. Strong faith does not insulate you from sadness. This is not a faith conversation. Sadness is not about faith. Sadness, when it comes to grief and loss, is about love. Third thing. What you're feeling is neither right or wrong. It is just what you're feeling. You have permission to feel it. And and if you're trying to sit with someone, don't talk them out of what they're feeling. Okay? By the way, when you're in the middle of a difficult time, grief and sorrow and joy can all coexist. Have you ever noticed that? You can be just so sad in one minute and you're giddy. The next, followed by sad and you're going, am I going out of my mind? No, you're grieving. Number three, don't be in a hurry to fix somebody. Loss needs time. Don't think that you know when somebody should be moving on. We all move along at a very different pace and everybody processes differently. This is a big one. Number four, if you have gone through grief and loss and that, and you're really hurting, you got to learn to forgive people because we're stupid We don't know. We don't know how to touch your pain. We don't know how to wrap our arms around you sometimes. You you need to forgive people because they don't always know how to be there for you. They don't know how to embrace your pain. And please forgive the idiots that are using theology to try to heal your heart. Giving you some anecdotes, some... Some something that, because they're sincerely giving you verses that hopefully, you know, will speak to your pain. But so often you guys, you know what, there's a time for theology and there's a time just to embrace and to love. And lastly, for those that are grieving, this is so significant. You know what, when you're grieving, you feel incredibly close to the person that you've lost. But as you're moving away from grief, you almost feel like you've abandoned them. Give yourself permission to let go of grief when the time is right, okay? Incredibly practical stuff. I'm gonna pray for you. This is a, I pray that you can take this into your world and use it. I'm gonna pray for those that are grieving today first, and then then I'm gonna pray for the rest of us that we would actually be healing agents for those in our world that are going through loss. Father, thank you for your great love. And thank you, Father, that you're not around us just when we feel good. You're around us when we, you're around us because you love us and you said you'd never leave us nor forsake us. And I want to lift up those who've come into this place with a heavy heart. To those who've come into this place and are deeply sad because of a loss. Jesus, I prayed that you would tangibly draw near to them with a sense of your presence. We thank you, Father, that, 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 that morning lasts for the night, but joy comes in the morning. Joy comes in the morning. And we can't see it, but we're just by faith saying thank you for that. And I want to pray for the rest of us, Father, because there are people all around us that you would make us incredibly tender, sensitive, and aware of people who have lost things, lost people, lost a dream. And Jesus, would you give us your love for them, and would you give us wisdom to embrace them well? We love you, Jesus. Amen.